We are live, Mike. Hey, Frank. How we doing? Yeah, you know me. I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> good week. Good week. Yeah, it was a great week. Yeah, it was nice. a great week. Yeah. Anything cool or exciting happened to you? Oh, anything cool or exciting? I don't know. It all depends what you call cool. Or I'll tell a cool, exciting story. Absolutely. <laughs> Start in with it. Good morning. So I uh, get a call from my mom this uh, this last week, and she's like. Hey, I'm going to see Frank today. Frank, uh, he owns a hair salon, and my my mom goes to him, and she's been going on for years, years, years. And um, <laughs> she was like, "Hey, so uh, I saw this thing at our church, and um, there's this gentleman. He's like this businessman, real successful, successful businessman, and he um, he uh, died and came back to life, and has a, and, and claims that he you know witnessed heaven, that he saw God." And um, it's uh, kind of like one of those near-death experiences, and he's, they're going to be speaking on Wednesday, um, April 6th at our church, and I figured you and Frank might want to go. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, send me it over, you know? So she shoots this little link over and stuff, and I uh, get over to Frank's today, and I, I bring it up, and he's like, oh, yeah, I remember your mom bringing that up to me. And I just thought it was so funny that my mom knew that that would be something Frank and I would be we, totally we, we, interested in. We should do a podcast at the church. <laughs> like we in the background, like it's quiet, like, okay, what's going on? Let's right get now? this. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought that was kind of funny, you know, that uh, my mom picked up on that, that knew that, uh, you know, Frank and I would love to, yeah. you know, witness and watch something like that. And I was yeah. like, absolutely. We got to be there. So uh, Frank yeah. and I are going to go see that uh, here in a couple weeks. Yeah, exactly. Tom, you guys uh, hear this. Um, the recording next will already be done. That's yeah. it. It's That's coming it. Wednesday. Yeah, so perfect. So yeah. just kind of a f- cool little story. Um, it, it, and it's fun, man. Life will throw these different experiences at you when, when you least expect, expect them. And it's just I look at everything as like a, an opportunity to learn a little bit more. Yeah, and actually we learn this when we let go and allow, so to speak, and we'll get into this with uh, bringing up the person we're going to feature today. Because yep. he talks about that. One of his books is called Let, Letting Go, I believe. Yep. And – um. So speaking of that, who are we diving into today? Uh, Dr. David Hawkins. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This guy's great. Um, I'm excited for today's yeah, episode. He's, a, he's really interesting. So just a slight background on him. He was born in, I believe, Wisconsin in 1927. Correct. And I think sometime in June. <laughs> it wasn't cold. Out. Yeah, <laughs> it was right. It pretty cold. Um, a quick story about him, kind of... Um, he had this mystical experience at the age of 12. He had a paper out. The thing was 18 miles long, his paper out. So I'm thinking the time he was 12 years old, like he didn't say, but obviously I'm assuming he was on a bicycle because he wasn't driving a car at 12. And he got caught in a blizzard. And he was along his paper out, and he realized, he came to a realization that he's not going to make it um, just being out in the wilderness. So he found a snowbank, and he dug a hole in the snowbank and just curled into it. And he went into this, he doesn't call it a near-death experience, but like an altered state of consciousness or what have you. And uh, as it has, his dad was searching for him. His dad found him. But he was in this state, and when his dad grabbed his ankle to wake him up, he didn't want to leave. But he also, at the same time, was very aware at, at the grief that his dad would experience for the rest of his life. So out of love, what he calls love, he um, he came back and, you know, then he shared this with us because we left at 12. We didn't have known about it. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be having yeah. this episode. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so Dr. David Hawkins, that's kind of his background story. You can look into him, check it out. But uh, the book we're going to feature today, we're going to two of them, but he's wrote, written many books. He's um, he's formerly in psychology. That's where his doctorate came from. 
But he wrote a book called Powell versus Force. And I believe it was in 95, 96, around there. And I remember reading the book. I read the book in the early 2000s. And it explains power versus force. So, uh, and he actually measures it through the uh, kinesiology, the kinetic energy in our body. And this is, um, according to him, and I, you can practice this. You can do it with your friends and stuff and family. But in actually uh, doing kinesiology uh, and the testing, the muscle testing, will actually test truth versus false. And it doesn't, it doesn't uh, re- translate into good or bad. An empirical truth, not not opinion truth. No, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't. I yeah, just want to touch on that. Yeah, good and bad um, is an opinion. Absolutely. It's a perception. But he's talking about negative and positive energy. And it's not that negative energy is bad. It just it doesn't uh, uh, coalesce with our uh, physiology. So if you stay in a state of negativity too long, the body will break down. But you can overcome that by getting to positive. So it's just a, it's kind of a different understanding of, of polarities, if you will. But it's not good or bad. But he talks about truth and non-truth. And he like even... Um, even if you had a belief. It's kind of sub- like a scale of consciousness. Yeah, and the scale starts from 1,000 to zero. 1,000 would be like Jesus Christ or Buddha. Uh, zero would be what we call death. Right? And then even, I listened to all, talk about this, and he says suicide would actually fall into negative. It would go actually below death. But to get an indication, 200 is the, the point of positive um, energy. So anything below 200 would be considered negative energy. And just to quickly give you, so death being zero, and as you move up the scale to like uh, despair, uh, you know, misery, all stuff, those are like in maybe 70, 80. I don't know if I have the numbers exactly right, but then you get into like anger is 150, courage is 175. Even though I'm not courage, um, uh, pride. Pride is still within the field of negative. And then when you get into courage, that is actually at the, the split point of 200. So from courage, you can go into a higher level or you can fall back into pride. Again, these are just scales. One isn't better than the other. But in the functionality of the world, when we maintain it a physical or maintain a positive world, the physiology in the world around us actually works more in collaborative rather than uh, fragmented and breaking apart like understanding competition. So, um, and that's naturally more harmonious. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 and what he's saying is, um, basically we're going to have show you a couple of clips here today, but, uh, basically what he's saying from how I gathered what he's saying, uh, is saying, um, when you, he asks a question or think of something, you no, know, regardless of your opinion on it. So in other words, you can have a neo-Nazi standing next to you, holding their arm out. And you can ask them, and they'll believe you that what, what Hitler did was right during World War II. But if you give them a picture of Adolf Hitler in their hand, and it, and they put their arm out, the kinetic energy would go into negative and fall down. So my opinion has nothing to do with the universal understanding of fragmented or negative or what we call positive collaboration energy. So even a neo-Nazi's arm would go down 
And even a neo-Nazi's arm would stay up if you said Mother Teresa or showed Mother Teresa. And let's explain a little bit more about that. So when Frank's talking about the, the arm being raised up, he's referring to the, kinesio, the kinesiology, right? Yeah, like the this kinesiology is the, test. Yeah, yeah, this is the, the way to measure, you know— um, that empirical truth that we're talking about, that the scale that, you know, was uh, d- developed. And yeah. so um, naturally when you stick your arm out, and Frank and I did this actually before we recorded this, I was like, <laughs> hey, show me how this works. And so like if I were to hold my arm out and, you know, hold a level of resistance, you know, somewhat level of resistance and knowing that I, I don't want it to go down, based on the question, uh, like Frank asked me, he's like, okay, hold a positive thought, you know, what I deem to be a positive thought. So... Um, a positive thought is not going to have as much resistance or excuse me, is going to have more resistance. It's going to lock. Yeah. Yeah. Lock and not allow me to, you know, the arm to lower. Whereas something that, you know, um, hold a negative image or, you know, uh, something that's not truth that is going to, you know, uh, there will, there'll be less resistance. Um, and it's this kinesiology, uh, test that is the basis of this consciousness scale that Dr. David Hawkins developed. Yeah, and what's interesting is, so there's two ways of looking at it, two ways of utilizing it. You can utilize it personally, and then you can utilize it um, what we call empirically. And what's empirically? In other words, the explanation I use empirically is if a neo-Nazi was holding a picture of Adolf Hitler, although believed in what he did was right, the, the empirical truth would be false. It'd be negative. Now, when I told Mike earlier to hold a positive thought, that's his understanding of positive thought is, and that felt strong for him. But if I asked an empirical question, like, uh, or not even asked a question, I was trying to find this clip. I couldn't find it to mm-hmm. put on the uh, podcast, say, but I'll explain it. And one of the first times I had read the book Power Versus Force, someone told me about it, and then I started looking up stuff on David Hawkins, and I found this video. He was at a conference one time. <clears throat> And he had pulled someone out of the audience, pulled him on stage, and he started explaining to the audience what he's going to do, and he's actually going to do a test in front of them. So they put their arm out to the side, and another person at work with him came up with uh, an envelope and put, placed the envelope in the woman's hand. Woman held it. He went to press down. Woman has no idea, right? No idea. It's in an envelope. And her arm locked. So oh, you'll see a little move, but it locked. The, the assistant or the other person worked with him pulled the envelope out, replaced with another envelope and they all went down like that Mm -hmm. when they opened up the first one was a picture of mother Teresa. the second one was a picture of adolf hitler that's why i used him today in the explanation not even knowing it but that um you gotta understand we're tapping into the universal source it knows everything even a picture of energy so even no matter how i feel about adolf hitler or mother Teresa, the universe already has a set frequency for that. That's the empirical truth there. Now, if I want to play this in my daily life, like with food, uh, a lot of cultures will do that. They'll grab an apple and they'll do it and push down. Now, if the apple is uh, coated with pesticides, I don't care what human being on the planet, you can't withstand that. Although, what we are noticing is when people get to higher levels, um, the effect of the pesticide will be less on that person. But nonetheless, the idea of an image of negativity that's not collaborative will still collapse, such as one of Adolf Hitler. It doesn't matter how enlightened you are, <laughs> it still would bother you, mm-hmm. or it would still produce a negative understanding. So it can be used, and that's the thing about kinesiology and the testing. It can be manipulated by people. So 
it's like to the person doing it and to the person that's receiving it, honesty is the only way true sign of it. Because someone could do this and someone could push down and mm-hmm. there's actually ways of doing it. You want to touch the bone. So how it works, it's, it's the mind is the electrical force, then the shoulder is the muscle, and then touching the bone. So you have all the entities working through that and just tapping right on there. Or some people will do bone on bone or their fingers, which is kind of bone. Pushing down, and there. this kinesiology test was developed not by Doctor Hawkins. No, no, he this, just used yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, yeah. I just want to make sure we make that yeah, clear. Yeah. He didn't invent I, this I, test. I developed it. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll hear about this, like um, you know, with different foods you eat. Like if it's healthy for your body, I've heard about this. These concepts, uh, other places, you know, like yeah. where you can tell, like, okay, should I should I consume, you know, more fruits or vegetables? Like, is this good for my body? Yeah, and, and that's where the universal thing comes in, where we have to be careful, because they did this study on people. It was a mass study where they took, like, sweet and low uh, pesticides, and people hold it in near the heart, and they do it, and everyone went down, everyone went down. But then they started doing it on people that uh, were, and so now people that were calibrated in about 500, now, what's 500? It's love. That goes beyond the intellectual understanding. All right? So Einstein was measured at 499. And they said if he was able to drop his intellect. Now, mind you. When, when you say drop the intellect, you mean let go of the thinking mind? Yeah, let go of the thinking mind. Now, mind you, it's not that Einstein never got into 500. They're just measuring his embodiment of work. So, again, I think every human being... Um, moves up and down the scale all day long we could go as high as 500 and down as 150 in an instant especially if you're driving in traffic <laughs> seriously oh, and a loving thing that son of a bitch got me up <laughs> so so we talk about the embodiment of, of his work um he was at a, a 499 because his his work of einstein was intellectual understanding of the the physical world in which we live in so then when you actually get into the 500s, you actually drop the intellect. In that case, in that place, love is all that matters. So it's like whether you remember this equation or this historical event, it doesn't really matter because love, that, that's all that prevails in that level. Now you could go, like if you want to get into a conversation, you go into intellect, you go back down to the 400s um, if you're helping out. You know, you, you, can have an intell- you can have intellectual discussion, even in negative ones, but what you consider to be intellectual discussion. But... So just give me a range of the fields. Would you consider 500 plus like that uh, feeling of flow just to give like people at home listening? Yeah. So when you're in the state of love, that's enlightenment staying there. And it's not that, you know, actually when you're in above like 300, stuff like that, you're a pretty developed human being. Um, but in that state of like 500 or above, they say when you get to 600, I think one of the videos will explain this. If not, I'll, I'll talk about it now. Um, whether you remain in your physical body and not has no bearing on it um again he measured the planet and again the way you'll measure it, you'll have somebody come up and you'll ask questions it's like how many people on the planet are um are there more than uh 10 people on the planet 600 will go down uh four will go down three and it will hold that's how he gets the measurement okay so according to this when he did this now again he he passed away in 2012 um when he was doing this, I don't know what year it was, um, but supposedly there was only three people on the planet that were in the 600 range or above. Again, 
we're just I'm just giving you the information you guys can look this up it's not about finding you know whether you believe it or not it's because this is perspective shift is how we're looking at it that's but it. I'm just trying to give you a gauge of what 600 is it's like it's you not want, easy, uh, or I shouldn't say it's not easy. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of people out there experiencing that level. Yeah, and I think, I think momentarily, individual c- could slip into that. Like you want for nothing. I think we all do. Oh yeah, you know, we do. You know, and just moments yeah. of love. Yeah, you know. But we don't like he, he, he said he was there when he was in the ice bank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he came back, so he's he's like, I'm no no longer there. You know, it's like, because if I was there, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. (laughs) One thing about the ice bank that I wanted to bring up when you were talking, so, like, that experience um, is something he vividly remembered from early age. And we all have these type of experiences uh, throughout our life growing up. And then through conditioning and interacting in this reality, uh, through friends, family, media, all that type of stuff, we start to discount these experiences that we had at a very early age and we just kind of were like oh yeah and we um we, we don't see them for like how special they were or what they taught us or what um reality we were accessing or what experience we were having we just kind of blow them off in, in a weird way and so like this kind of happened to dr hawkins and i was reading about him and there was this it was talking about how you know later on in life um I don't even remember in his thirties or something like that. It, he um, he uh, he was an alcoholic. Yeah, he was like know? around thirty-eight years old. There man. you go, thirty-eight. Yeah. And he was he was an alcoholic, you know, and he had this bad experience. And then one day he like had this awakening, if you will. And so from that age in that bank where he clearly had a very um, uh, spiritual, you yeah. know, and an awakening, you know, experience and moment in life. That doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden all the light bulbs turned on and he was great. No. He lived a very, you know, normal um, life, if normal as, as what we can say. Yeah, he went but, through the, the uh, what we call linear perspective. Yeah, like exactly like we're experiencing. And um, then, then it all kind of clicked. And that light bulb moment for him was at age 38. And then he had spent the rest of his years, like, dedicating his life to this pursuit, uh, pursuit of, you know, consciousness, you know, this higher uh, realm. And that's something I just wanted to touch on, that, like, he didn't just go into a snowbank and then all of a sudden have these bright, brilliant ideas. Um, that the, There's experiences we all can tap into from our past that yeah. were moments like that snowbank that we have discounted and just mold over in our heads as, oh, whatever, that was just, um, you know, uh, I just felt that way for a little. Yeah, it's almost like taking something and throwing it in the shed. And uh, But once you have what we call an enlightenment experience... There's no going back. No. It doesn't mean you don't uh, still take out the garbage. You still don't you know, yell at people. You don't yell at your neighbor. Get pissed off. But there's something. But when you actually do get pissed off and you do yell at your neighbor, it actually hurts more. It, it it's It's more aggravating than it was. But when you're in a state of pride or the level of pride, which is um, uh, what, 175 yeah, yeah. in the scale, which still falls just below positive, getting aggravated is um, what you do in that. Or like, you know, getting in someone's face about the pride of your existence is is what's normal, all right? Again, no judgment here. It's not about it's good or bad. It's just that over, over a period of time, it, it's fragmented. It doesn't go beyond that point. It's just where you are. Yeah, so if you're trying to, you know, pride is, just, is stating my ego has to survive. But then when we go into 200, we realize... Your ego isn't what's keeping you alive. <laughs> and so you go beyond that. But 
understanding it's just the emotions um, we want to fall into. And once we become enlightened, it's very difficult to live below a certain number in, in how uh, Dr. Hawkins explains it and not move beyond it. And what Mike was talking about earlier when he had that experience at 12 years old, we, unless we can explain something to ourselves or others and how the, the uh, linear world works in intellectual world works, we just discount it. But the truth is, the more we start discovering, get into quantum physics and get into these higher realms of living. all that. Yeah, as we get these higher realms of living, there is no empirical causation. There's, there are um, correlations. But people are always trying to find a causation of something. Everything is spontaneous. You know, I was listening to him talk about like, you know, okay, the causation for rain is, well, the clouds and the uh, precipitation and the... And the cold weather came in and, and it caused it to rain. He goes, well, why didn't it rain a minute before it rained? Why did it choose that moment? Or what about the time when there was, you know, 90% chance of rain, it didn't rain? We're trying to predict these movements, but everything is, actually everything is spontaneous. We're just playing the game of non-spontaneous. But we're always... As soon as it happens, we make this little narrative about yeah. it. But in our thought, the ego is always... 110, is it one, one, 1,000 or 110th behind the actual reality which you're explaining? <laughs> so the time my ego kicks in, the story was already told, but it's so quickly. It's almost like um, when you're watching TV and it's live, they put a three-second delay on just in, case just in case something happens like it did at the Oscars yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to bring that up today. <laughs> You got to tell that story. Yeah, I didn't they, know about they, this. They were able to cut the sound <laughs> in time. <laughs> yeah. It was it was brilliant. Um, we'll talk about that a little later in the show. Cause right, cool. I, I we do need to bring that up because that ties into all this. Yeah, it, it does. Well, everything and, ties into this, and it's not to judge it at all. Like, no, I love Will Smith, I, and I love Chris Rock. I love them both. And but yet something played out last night, and uh, obviously, Tommy, you hear this, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure everybody but, um, does. Hey, let's uh, you know dive into it. Let's dive into having play this first clip because this explains the uh, kinesiology uh, measurement side of things. It kind of you know gives you a little run. Yeah. That. All right. So here, sit back and listen. If you got popcorn, pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> when you witness and observe something, from lovingness, are already raising its calibrated level of consciousness. Measurably. So we found things that we considered adorable, and the fact that you consider it adorable, it would have been at 204, and now it'll jump to 310 or something independently. And that's and that, that same manifestation will be diagnosable by everyone around the world. Uh, that is a fact to resist. Wow. So don't you see what this means? That your lovingness by witnessing. See, when I say you want to, you don't need to go to fancy things. Just witness the sacredness of all of existence. Uh, approach all of love with reverence and goodwill. And by doing so, you're changing the world by virtue of the Heisenberg principle. So if we say the kitty's purr is adorable and loving, I don't know if Kitty's purr was at 500 before we said it. Probably not. <laughs> but it is now. <laughs> so 
Therefore, the sheer observation, the higher the level of consciousness of the observer, the greater the impact on the observed. That we have literally been changing the calibrated levels of consciousness of much of society by the sheer observation of the work that we're doing collectively. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that something, huh? So, everything we look at lovingly. Huh. Hmm. Hmm. Let's see how the Komodo dragon's making out. <laughs> well, I'm going to look at the Komodo dragon. He's just being what he is. God bless him, he's just being what he is. Being a good Komodo dragon. Of course you eat everything up. Komodo dragon, good calibrated 40. The adorable Komodo dragon calibrates over four, 45. 48, 47, 48. Seeing the lovability of the Komodo dragon is an expression of divinity's uh, unfoldment of creation. So as we witness the unfoldment of creation and acknowledge that his source is divinity, we're already raising the level of all of it is within this world. Wow. So this world is becoming that which we hold in mind. Just wow. Hmm. Look at all the power he walked around and didn't know it, okay? <laughs> so everything that we look at, forgive it for being what it is, witness the sacredness that it is an expression of evolution at some level of evolution and it serves some ultimate purpose. So we stop hating it and see its intrinsic beauty. I mean, the Komodo dragon's an impressive animal. Impressive, you know? Last night, oh, I know where this came from. Last night, we were watching uh, alligators. We love the Nature Channel. If you want to learn about, a lot about spirituality, you just watch the Nature Channel because um, it, you see in nature where you don't have any prejudices, the witnessing of phenomena that you won't see in humanity because you've got too many upsides and downsides. But it was marvelous. Here's the hippopotamus and the alligators. And the alligators uh, are on the beach and the hippopotamus is also on the beach. But the hippopotamus has sort of a maternal motherly instinct towards uh, alligators. I mean, who could love an alligator but a hippopotamus? <laughs> now that everybody's afraid of alligators except hippopotamus. Hippopotamus comes over and nudges the alligator and often even licks him and makes sure that the alligator is comfortable. The alligator is twitching and the hippo, hippo will push the alligator over until the alligator is happy. So here's the alligator is all happy. The hippopotamus is like tending to him like a, like a, like a nice, like a, they're all like mothers overlooking the babies here and, and nudging them. And imagine licking an alligator. <laughs> <laughs> now there's love and acceptance. <laughs> uh, here's the hit. So the hippos love the alligators and nurture them and lick them and protect them and, and see to their comfort. Isn't that marvelous? It's sort of marvelous. But you don't see that on the Nature Channel. You see, you won't read that in the New York Times. I don't think it's <laughs> So we should be more like the hippopotamus then. 
and um, be sort of um, nurturing towards all that the world literally looks down at as um, homo horribilis. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That is a good one. That was good. So it um, shows it, the scale. It shows the scale, and also to clarify is because of like um, like the idea of Hitler, the the uh, the idea of Hitler was um, world known. Is why even if somebody like a neo Nazi had an idea that was that he was, it's overcome by the the collective consciousness. So. As we go in and start acting like hippos towards people, in other words, we can actually expand collective consciousness by doing this. We actually, our energy, how we look at life, we put it into the field and then the field will come out. And that's why eventually, you know, right now foods and uh, certain things we take in harm us. There'll be a moment in time where nothing will harm us. You know, again, you probably won't be um, eating harmful foods. But uh, people that are testing higher aren't as affected by an apple negatively than an apple that might have pesticides opposed to a person that's around 200 or below. You better not have that, that apple. You better be eating vegan or however you would look at it. So there is truth throughout. It's understanding where you are, where the truth relies. And that's why having an opinion um, or prejudice in this, when you start looking at the world, is is somewhat ridiculous. It really is. It is on yeah. its face. So, as we kind of do that, so but yeah, <laughs> I um, I like that video too because he's right. You know how he brought up um, is, like the History Channel or just like watching the way animals interact. It's very different um, because there isn't all this opinion and judgment and like measurement that we have about other humans based on their race, their culture, where they're from, male, female, all this uh, narrative that we have about what something is or should be. We carry it with us when we're measuring other things. Mm -hmm. The animal kingdom, we don't do that. Yeah. And so to see, like if that alligator started eating the leg of the hippopotamus, it would just be that. And yeah. we wouldn't, you know, that would not be wrong. That would not be immoral. We wouldn't need to get up on our soapboxes and, you know, say this would never happen if a Republican was in office, you know. And it, these are the things we do on a human scale. And it's the weirdest shit. It is. Hey, why don't, let's interject what happened at the Oscars last night yeah, yeah, as bring an it up. example perfect example. for this. So, yeah, 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 perfect. So I was forced to watch the Oxus last night because of Karen. <laughs> Karen. Because of Karen. <laughs> Karen. Yeah. We were going to find out Frank yeah. was stoked waiting for a week yeah. for it. I was getting ready to drive nails in my uh, fingertips. <laughs> I, no, I'm not enjoying that. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I love movies. But totally. I don't. I love watching movies. I, I'm not an award type of person watching it. I, whatever. So we watched yeah. it. All right. Well, there was an incident where Chris Rock came out to um, uh, present, I think it was for a documentary uh, best documentary of the uh, of the year, and obviously he's a comedian, very funny one by the way. Hell yeah! Yeah, so he came out and he started making some jokes uh, from different pe- celebrities in the audience, and and he turned to like uh, Will Smith was part of a previous joke of how if he doesn't win, you know, he better win the Oscar uh, based on uh, Javier uh, uh, Pador, whatever his mm-hmm. name is. Because um, if he wins his, and if his wife doesn't win, he'll be in trouble. So if you go back and watch the clip, I'll explain it better. But then he takes a shot at Jada, 
uh, Pinkett Smith, mm-hmm. which Will's is wife. Will, Will's wife, <clears throat> about because her head was shaved down and talked about, hey, talk, m- mentioned about G.I. Jane 2 coming out. I'd like to see that. Well, when they were showing that, they, they show him, then they show her, and she's like rolling her eyes. You can tell she didn't like the comment. But, you know, what do you expect? There's a comedian on stage. Exactly. You know, you're going to get hit. And when I'm watching Will Smith, he was laughing. I don't know if he was laughing from the previous joke and continue laughing, but then the shock was back to Chris Rock, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Chris is talking, and uh, Will Smith starts walking up towards him. Mm-hmm. Chris is just sitting there, not not thinking, why would he? You know, mm-hmm. it's just it's a fellow uh, comedian, right? Fellow he's, actor, yeah, fellow actor. He's, yeah, because yeah, they're both actors and they're both comedic, right? I I don't know if Will Smith does stand up, but. Um, he's he probably has in his yeah, life. but yeah, exactly. Well, he did uh, Bel Air, right? Yeah, Prince exactly. Of Bel Air, comedy. See him. So he probably didn't feel threatened, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, open hand slaps him. And I gotta tell you, like Will Smith, <laughs> Will Smith is a lot bigger. Slaps this dude. Yeah, Will Smith it's is a lot. Up. Yeah, he's a lot bigger than Chris Rock. Chris Rock took it like boom. He like he he did. his hands behind his back and took it. Yeah. Just stood there, didn't even respond, didn't react, and then Will Smith went back. And uh, I know, like, the three-second delay, they, they actually cut the audio at the time. Now you can watch online. The audio's there. And they proceed to find out what happened. Obviously, uh, Will Smith did not care too much about what he said, and he, he went into rage. A visible and, rage. A visual rage, yeah. Yeah, you could and tell. And then, yeah, when he was sitting down, he was cursing. Like, yeah. don't effing. What, what did he say? Uh, get, don't ever have my wife's name come out of your mouth. I yeah, like my effing yeah. Yeah, so, wife's name. And, and then he said again, and after, you know, first, you know, Chris Rock's like, well, it's a joke, dude. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's a problem. And then he's like, don't. He's like, all right, I won't. And then he just kind of went in, and <laughs> it was just a very bizarre moment. It was. Yeah. Now, something you could never just think would happen, especially with, like, those two dudes. Like, yeah. they're both, those are both pretty, you know, um, uh, know who they are type of guys. Like yeah. Will Smith, you know, the roles he plays. Chris Rock, you know, same type of thing. They get, you know, yeah. uh, they're, they're, I wouldn't say they're asleep human beings. Like they're no, pretty conscious individuals from yeah. what I can understand and what I've heard them speak. Yeah, they wouldn't be able to pull off uh, the roles in which they did if they were. Exactly. Right? Not, you know, because there's some actors I've actually seen where um, you talk to them in interviews, I'm like, oh yeah, that person's about 200. I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm just joking here, but... But what's interesting is, um, so to use this point, the next, like I woke up uh, today and Karen starts reading all the stuff about this. Like, oh my God, that's what they're saying. And I'm like, well, we're watching the Oscars. It's drama. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to the Oscars. What do you mean? I'm like, what is it? You're celebrating drama. All right. It could have been coerced. It could have been. And she's like, you think so? I'm like, probably not. Um, but maybe the universe course it, who knows? Um, but what happened is again, and I'm just giving my perspective on it, not from a negative a judgment. I wouldn't judge at all. <clears throat> Will Smith was probably high flying. And then someone said something and maybe he looked over his wife and she didn't like it. And we find out the information later on that she has alopecia. She's suffering something. So she shaved her hair. Mm-hmm. And so he probably saw her go hot. And he's like, got to protect the wife. And <laughs> even and, though and I'm at it, the Oscars. <laughs> yeah. And so what, we're, what are we talking about before this? The scale of consciousness, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and guess, we all slip into the scale, you know. Um, Daily, I yeah. moment by moment. Yeah. So it's about catching yourself or what. 
So I remember like someone like, well, that was inappropriate for the Oscars. And I'm like, I'm like, nothing is ever inappropriate. If anger is there, anger and slapping someone in the face is the appropriate thing. What you're trying to maintain is at the Oscars, we should maintain a loving setting. Again, the Oscars are very interesting or acting is a very interesting uh, platform. And why? It's like a lot of the movies that they show are featuring anger and violence. And I'm not judging, but that's the platform in which these people live. Actors, they step out of it. And so... Are they slipping in through moments of acting? Because that's what we're all doing. We're all actors. We just, we just don't know it. The actors actually know they're playing a role. Mm-hmm. But sometimes what I say is what happens is we're all great actors at some level, but if my nose is touching the mirror, the only thing I'm thinking is, who the hell's touching my nose? <laughs> mm-hmm. But once I step back from the mirror, I'm like, oh, shit, that's me. And sometimes people get caught so much in the moment, and I believe that's what happened to Will Smith, and then he got caught up in the moment and did what he did, set back. It like obviously Chris Rock was put back. He didn't even see it coming. No, but uh, he took a good hit though. He, he did. did. He <laughs> did. <laughs> Next time he might pop a little. Yeah. <laughs> he he took a hit. Like damn, like, that's pretty good because Will Smith's not a small dude. No, but um, but then when he sat down, it just so happened that Will Smith won the Oscar, and then he yeah. got up and had a speech. Did you see it yet? I didn't see All it right. yet. Well, I saw the clip that we we got a chance yeah. to share, but but the, yeah, so he got up and not there. the acceptance speech. Yeah, the acceptance speech for his uh, best actor, uh, based off of uh, King Richard, which is Richard uh, uh, Williams, mm-hmm. uh, Serena and Vin- uh, Venus's uh, father, and um, so he was crying. He was generally crying again, like hey, he's an actor. But I'm just I'm just joking, playing there. Mm-hmm. But he went and apologized. He apologized to the Academy. He apologized to the people out there. He did not, though, apologize to Chris Rock. You know, I'm sure by this point he did. But, you know, um, but it was interesting. But if you can sit back and watch this without judging and see it for what it is, it's a whole different experience than saying he shouldn't have done that. He's an asshole. Because what? guess what? When you actually look at it and observe it for what it is, you yourself, as the observer, do not go into negative field. But if you think and pick a side, pick Chris Rock's side, or you pick Will Smith's side. And this is what media trains us to do. If you pick a side, you'll you'll fall into a negative aspect. Even if you pick the side in which society thinks didn't do anything wrong, you still fall into negative because you're actually picking a side. You're, you're battling against each other. And But if you could just sit back and see everything that happened, and I could sit from here a all, state of neutrality. Yeah, I could sit here all day and tell you different stories. I remember I brought up the camera. I'm like, right, I bet that was coerced. You know, it's like you think they did it on purpose. I'm like, I'm like, if they did, it was very well done. But these are two dynamite actors too. I'm not saying this is what happened, but once I said that, Karen's like tilted her head. Huh? I never looked at it that way. Again, perspective shift. Once she shifted her head, and I'm like, you know, and I, I, she's like. When she tilted her head, well, like, now I want to suck her in more. Now, I'm making this shit up, by the way. <laughs> but I want to suck her in more. I'm like, well, think about this. The Oscars haven't done good in the last two years. They were failing a couple of years before that because Donald Trump was in and people getting political, whether you liked him or not. People were taking away from the, like, no one knows who won the award the year that Meryl Streep said something about Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. No one knows who won Best Actor. Like, they forgot because she took the stage. Mm-hmm. You know, again, not judging that either. So, like, <laughs> What better way to pick up ratings? 
<laughs> then they have another act to smack another actor, right? <laughs> Come on. It's like, and also, I'm, I'm telling this narrative story that I literally made up. This is not true. I, don't, yeah, yeah. I didn't get any insight. But all of a sudden, Karen's like, huh, didn't look at it that way. I'm like, exactly. So if we have the ability to perceive and create our own narrative, why would you do one of negative and separation? That's the point I was and trying to that, make. And that's that. what we're doing all day long. That's the point. So, you know, these both these two guys were great actors and stuff like that. You know, next time Chris is going to duck a little quicker. But he took a solid punch. <laughs> well, that and I like how it shows this level of consciousness and that like yeah. just because you're at a 500, you're at a 300 does not mean that you don't fall below and you don't go above. We, we are yeah. – everything we're experiencing is um, – is moving. Everything is vibration. Everything is frequency. Just so to think that you stay at one point um, or stay still, yeah, for, it's just not true. Yeah, it's like the temperature never stays a temperature. You know, at the end of the it day, fluctuates. Yeah, at the end of the day, they'll tell you what the low was and what the high was, <laughs> and then everything. In order to get from the low to the high, you had to create. You had to go through the variance of different temperature. It must have fluctuated. So you have to move through all those things. So. That's what it is. We have highlights and lowlights of a day, and in between, it's just a shit show. <laughs> well, it's a bunch of. Well, I actually heard this kind of explained well. Um, so we, the way we experience life, we have like thirty thousand events each day. So every day, like we experience like thirty thousand, like type kind of like movie clips. Like if you know it's running on a screen, yeah. There's thirty thousand little events, like all, frames, yeah. yeah, frames all day, and then we we choose frames to focus on, and then it would stand out. <laughs> yeah, and then we're like, that's what my day was. Yeah. When if we chose other frames to focus on, it would have been that. And I thought that was so cool. The same movie. Yeah, the yeah, same, same exact movie. thing. The same exact thing, but we choose the different yeah, frames we focus on. That's a brilliant on. point. And yeah. I was like, wow, that it just really how, hit me. Yeah, <laughs> I was and, like, that's so true. And how you choose to look at it is going to dictate how you tell the story at that's the end it. of the thing. Like, so somebody's going to say, you know, Will Smith was a friggin' hero for defending his wife, yeah. her honor, yeah. you know? And at the same time, there's somebody in the corner going, man, what a, what a childish, childish, immature move yeah, you're that get... you would just, you know, come up and swipe somebody for making a joke. It was even a funny, like, heartfelt, like, of course, how would Chris Rock know that she's going through that experience? Yeah. You see what I mean, guys? He should have known. But what side are you on? <laughs> You know, and what side are you going to defend? Yeah, <laughs> because and that's, it. It, yeah, that's what we do all day long, and this is what we do with politics, and this is what we do with everything. Yeah, we create a narrative, and, and we tie ourselves into this little pretzel. Yeah, and that's what we do: we create a narrative, then we try to get you to believe. If you don't follow my narrative, you're you're, you're an wrong. Idiot. You're an idiot. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. someone's like, yeah. you're immoral. You're that's immoral. that's a new thing. Is you know, you're a, you're not a moral person. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting? Not to get sidetracked here, but I no, was listening to an interview with um, I forgot what. I don't know. I went to my parents' house. So they had the TV on. Yeah. And Chris Rock, or not Chris Rock, sorry, Kid Rock, oh, the other yeah, Rock, yeah. his brother. <laughs> the other his Rock. Brother, his brother. Hell yeah. His uh, younger older brother, I forgot. His brother with longer hair. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Kid Rock, um, they were asking him, because this is, um, what do they call it right now when, not shaming, but um, um, what's that term they're using? When they try to take you off your, your um, place. Shaming. Uh, it's it's shaming, but there's a word they're using now, like um, uh, like erasing you. What's that word they use? Oh, cancel, cancel, you cancel, yeah, yeah. cancel culture. culture. Yep, yep, yep. So the person asked, he goes, "Why can't you be canceled? Because I I have no allegiance to anything. I have no media, no nothing. Like I don't 
work for a company, so you can't cancel me. And what he's basically saying is, I don't give a shit what you say about me. I'm going to continue to say it. And the way you can cancel someone is, if if I'm worried about what you're saying, if I care about what you say, I'm going to be saying the framework of saying this. And what, one day I'm not going to be able to say a goddamn thing because I don't want to be canceled. But if you don't care about being canceled, this is enlightenment. You cannot be canceled. That's it. I love, and that's the brilliance example. of it. So if we can all get into the state of not being canceled. So at the end of the day, is this going to ruin Will Smith's career? Hell no. no. It won't. You know? He would have to Pe- allow it to. <laughs> Anybody who works saying. with from here on in is just going to learn to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Just Nobody's going to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody will take a shot at it. And, and, and guys, Bob and weave. <laughs> both sides, I mean, there is no right. There is no wrong. No. This is something we, we manipulate in our mind. No, it's just acting. Everything just <clears throat> is. And so to say that, and guys, this applies to everything. And of course, we've got people who are going way back. Well, what about this? Everything is, but there is empirically negative and positive energy. And we're not talking about devil and God Mm -hmm. because negative and positive energy are two poles of the opposite. You cannot cannot survive without the other one. Like I was having a conversation with somebody. Like, I want to get rid of all negativity in my life. I'm like, you do? Like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let's start with your car battery. Just pull that negative post off and see how far you get. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say, how are you going to navigate through this experience? Yeah, we're not talking about negative and positive in the idea of good and bad. We're talking about electricity and electrical current. Which is what we are. Which we are. So, again, but when we actually are too much in the negative, it it breaks apart. So as we go into higher realms of more positive, we're sturdy. We can't be broken down. I can't be canceled out if I'm in the 300, 400, because I don't really care. If I move in the 500, there's nothing that can cancel me out. I actually, someone negative could say something to me about me, and I would actually say something dearing back to them. I wouldn't even say I don't, I don't care. I would probably hug them, you know? Um, and it's, it's interesting. As we go higher into these realms... Life seems to become effortless in acquiring or acting out anything. <clears throat> 200 or below, you're in the mud. It's like you can run in the mud, but when you run on a track, it's so much different. And when, when you get in the 500, you're running on a freaking uh, conveyor belt. It, it, and moving in the direction of the cave, by the way, not against it. <laughs> that, but we we all yeah. we all play in this level of consciousness. Yeah. We'll play in the mud. Yeah. And we can experience, you That's know, it. that five hundred plus scale level yeah, of it, true love. And if you're wearing a white outfit, you might not want to get in the mud that day. <laughs> you know, it's like ah. I, I do wanna so I I wanna touch on this. So like with this scale, you know, and like this video that we just show showed, and I'm glad Frank brought this up, you know. Of course, this kinesiology test can be manipulated, just like anything in life. But uh, Hawkins said something great, and he said during that clip, what did he say? He said the highest um, level, or excuse me, like the con- the higher like the consciousness level of the observer changes the observed. So, yeah, where we're at and where we're looking from is how we're going to um, experience um, anything. You know, yeah. it, just like the little clips, you know, where we're at is the clip we're going to choose, you know, of those 30,000 and define our day uh, around that. Um, when I personally, because I, I really like Dr. Hawkins and I've been listening to his work now for a couple of years. When I started to listen to this scale, there was like this skeptic in me going like, what is this scale? Like this is um, a created scale. So if you're feeling that at home, that's not a, that's not a, um, uh, 
ask yourself why, you know, like that's what I did with myself, you know, and you'll see it like in, you know, Frank mentioned with like the arm and stuff, how you can change or, you know, um, manipulate it essentially. I guess where I'm going with this is don't wear skepticism as some sort of badge of honor as if like, oh, you know, um, I'm a skeptical person. And so like I need to have more proof before I believe it, because what you're really doing is you're putting yourself tighter into this little box. And and it's kind of like putting blinders up and saying, you know, I'm a skeptic, and it, it, it and wearing this as a badge and on, uh, as a badge of honor, but not being able to see all the possibilities around you, all the opportunities, all the truths that could exist from this. So loosen up um, about scales like this because that's what Hawkins would say. He would say, hey, look, don't run around trying to calibrate every single thing. That's not what this is for. This is to give us a general idea, give us some sort of homeostasis, give us a way to. Navigate this reality, yeah. and I just wanted to kind of bring that up. Um, yeah, but one, one because I, we're talking about a scale that was developed by a human being and all this type of stuff. You yeah, know? but the thing is, it's like I get the skeptic because I, I was, I, I shouldn't say was. There are times I am, but in the midst of my skepticism, I don't criticize. That's the moment in which I go to to work it. So, and then you have to realize, like, hey, anyone's like, oh, the four minute mile, a skeptic says they can't run that. Well, we know we can. But it doesn't mean now the skeptic had to see proof. Now, the skeptic that can't run the four-minute mile, do they believe it could still be run by a human? Well, there's proof of it. But they might be skeptical that they can't, and they'll have an excuse why. So if you're a skeptic and not participating in the act, your judgment falls flat. Are you exercising this? Are you doing it? Because once you do, you'll see some work in it. Yeah, I don't suggest anyone dive into anything without um, placing in the inaction and seeing how it works. So what me and Mike are talking about, everything we bring up here, every person we feature, every idea, whether it's meditation or not, before believing in it, try it. Because it's like if I was trying to explain what pizza tastes like, it would be absurd. Have a slice of pizza. Have a bite of pizza, and then you'll have an idea. Oh, my God, okay, I hear what they're talking about. And you may may or may not like it, but now the skepticism is over. Now what you're looking at is, oh, that's Frank's opinion about pizza. I know this is weird but um, to just chime in and say it, but that's exactly the way I felt about drugs growing up. I was like, who is here? Why is this dare officer in my classroom telling me <laughs> dare. That, like dare what officer. I you know what I should and shouldn't do with my body? Like, how do I know, sir, that I don't want to take that drug? And is I it, remember is, very is, it, is this is this why you uh, tested all of them out? Is, it, <laughs> is that the excuse you're I, telling your mom? <laughs> I just, hey, no, no. Who is he to tell me? I'm going to show him. I just remember like growing up going, why the hell would I not want to try something for myself before I just say, hey, this isn't right or yeah. this is wrong? I don't know if that's wrong. I've never tried it. Yeah. I've never done it. I don't know what that experience is. I'm going to take some person's you know, uh, story and just say, that's fact. That's me. Well, yeah, this, I, yeah. That was like a thing for me growing up. I was yeah. like, why am I being told what is wrong? And that, I think like, I need to it, try it. Yeah. Well, it is. Again, we're not here out there telling people. <laughs> no, try stuff, yeah. not not at all. Yeah. I'm trying to give a personal example of something like that. I was just like, what? Yeah. It's it's so whenever you're doing something, it's the intention, and this is important. So, actually, uh, Doctor Hawkins talks about this a lot. It's the intention in which you're walking into, which is everything. So when he measured scales of certain people, 
publications and different people. I'm not going to give the names on this one. You guys can look it up. But what it was, it uh, a certain person would uh, calibrate at like uh, a 360. And people are like, I don't like that guy. I'm like, well, and then they'll calibrate somebody else at like a 200. Like, well, I like that person. What they say, and, and this had to do politically. I'm not going to mention their names or what pol- uh, political side they were on. But what he was saying is like, it's not, it's not that it's empirically true in I- ideology. It's the person that was talking the political um, ideology fully believed what they were saying was true. The other person was just trying to sell you something. There's a difference. One might have been like so if someone was selling uh you know a vegan diet but doesn't eat vegan, their integrity's south, but um the pe- person trying to sell you meat and this is verse like when you look at meat and vegan, I'm like again I, I'm not looking whatever. I'm just saying yeah. someone who's a vegan will get what I'm talking about right now, but the person trying to sell you meat truly believes that meat's good for you, their integrity will hold higher so it's it's there are a lot of people in the world that are telling us information that they don't believe themselves. That's happened That's all the over media. Yeah. politics. Yeah. So you can actually test the media. Not all of the media is false. It's not. It, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But now we can find out by like, okay, is that person trying to sell me something, or did they fully believe it? Even if they fully believe it, someone could fully believe that meat is great for you. But if you're a vegan, you don't have to buy into it. But do not disassociate or don't try to knock them because you're not gonna it's you're not gonna win you don't need the thing is this no one's forced you to eat meat in this case no one's forced you to think the way this person's thinking politically but their integrity they fully believe what's going there has merit in that integrity doesn't mean it's uh, false but when we talk about like fake news people are selling us stuff that they don't believe themselves that they, they wouldn't do this themselves yeah and we're picking up on that we see that with politicians all the time. It's like they're telling you and I how to live, but they don't live that way. I'm like, oh, really? You're going to fly a jet all the town, but I can't drive my Toyota? You know? That's it. That's how it works. And um, so if people live uh, walk the walk, and you know, um, we, we held them to integrity. But it doesn't mean I necessarily I'm going to coincide with them. There's a... This is how the understanding of respect comes out. They have integrity, but I wouldn't do that. Here's the thing. I would do that, but that guy has no integrity that's talking about it. You, uh, through kinesiology and these tests, you can pick that up. So any skeptic out there, don't take my word for it. Don't take even uh, Dr. Hawkins' word for it. Test it yourself. See what happens. That's it. See where it gets you, yeah. Um, this next clip that we're going to dive into, I love this one. Uh, this one's about stories and, um, <laughs> Frank a, and I will talk, we talk about this. Uh, we've talked about this for years. This is what we're doing on this planet. We are storytellers yeah. and all day long, um, from the moment we wake up and, you know, uh, I believe it's serotonin hits, you know, and you start to experience the day. You are writing a story about that day. You know how you feel. You know the en- level of energy. Are you tired? Are you? You got a busy day ahead of you. You start with the stories. So what we call reality is more just um, justification. Yeah, <laughs> just a justified <laughs> feeling is more just a bunch of stories that you're holding on to and kind of carrying around with you in your head, yeah. rip on repeat. And it's just, you know, a repetition of these different stories about what needs to de- uh, be done that day. In fact, time, linear time, how we experience life is a story. 
and we live by this story, and we live by time. Yeah. Um, if we were to uh, peel back these layers of a calendar, dates, and all this stuff, we would live very differently. And in fact, there's cultures out there that do this. But um, all of these, everything we operate by during a day and how we hold this mental picture together is all a story. Yeah. And I love this about Hawkins, and Hawkins helped me to better understand this years ago when I started listening yeah, to him. Check it out, man. Yeah, check it out. I think I told you people think they have problems. Mm-hmm. They have problems because they write a story in their head. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we did. We did. Mm-hmm. All right. So we explained also that nobody has a problem. That as long as you live in this instant, mm-hmm. in this instant, nobody has a problem in this whole universe. Nobody has a problem this instant. All right. So what happens is, as you let go of the stories, as you see how the mind creates stories, you begin living in the stop frame of this moment mm-hmm. and you will see that the mind likes to create thoughts so first you surrender stories then you surrender paragraphs then you surrender sentences you don't allow the sentence to even complete itself if it's worthless then why complete the sentence if your thoughts don't have any intrinsic value if they're just uh, belong to the world and not even yours to begin with. You know, they're, they're creations of the ego and the energy fields of the ego. Then there's no point to perfect it. Mm-hmm. All right, so. The first one surrenders. Stop, one stops creating stories. Then one stops creating paragraphs. One stops creating sentences. One stops creating phrases. And you will see that languaging in the form of thought is coming from an energy there's like an energy in the mind that is constantly creating like a stream thought so you watch thoughts going through consciousness like goldfish through a bowl see the thoughts are like goldfish but what you are is the water you're not the goldfish so the unenlightened person thinks i am the goldfish i am my thoughts I am this worry, I am this fear, I am this regret. You begin to see, you begin to identify where is consciousness. Consciousness is what is witnessing these thoughts. So thoughts are flowing through consciousness and consciousness itself is invisible and has no form. So you begin to identify with the observer instead of that which is observed. observed. Anybody who does meditation knows what I'm saying already. But this energy behind thought is itself formless. Mm -hmm. It does not have... mm, It's like this energy wants to come up and then it begins to express itself as a thought. And at that point, you let go wanting to have the thought. So you're constantly surrendering your thinkingness. Now... You'll notice that what the mind does is it tries to anticipate the next split second. What your mind is doing right now, Ewan, is anticipating the next second. I can hear your mind clanking away and it's trying to anticipate the next moment. Mm -hmm. All right. It thinks it has to. It thinks it has to, in order to survive, It has to master. So if you watch what your mind is really doing, you'll see it's always trying to get one up on the next instant. All right, by next instant, I'm talking about 
uh, maybe a tenth of a second. So what a person is experiencing, they're never experiencing reality. What they're experiencing is the ego's interpretation of reality. So it, like, an, uh, like an audio system, there's a, what's called a monitor. So just as you tape something, just as you tape a program on the tape, the monitor feeds into your ears. You heard what, what was just recorded a split second ago, but you're not hearing the program source. You're hearing what was just recorded. This is what the average person is experiencing is the monitor tape of the ego's interpretation of events. Yeah, I love how he says that. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it is. That's one of my favorite clips of, yeah. of David Hawkins because he breaks it down so well. Because he breaks it down so well, you know? <laughs> Who's always saying something? <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, man, when I first saw uh, that clip, it, and I, I remember watching that specific clip, you know, uh, quite a few times. Um because it, it gave me an analytical thinking mind way to digest what this experience is and what we're, what we're experiencing. So I wrote down like one, one thing he, he talks about is he says, constantly surrendering the thinking mind. That's what we're doing on a daily basis when we're trying to get out of this um, uh, constant rat race, this constant chase. Um, as experiences unfold in life, um, we have been taught to judge them as they're happening, um, to measure them, to say, I don't like this, I do like this, this should be this way, this shouldn't be that way. And that is what we're experiencing rather than reality itself. And that's what Dr. Hawkins is explaining here, yeah. is we're not experiencing reality, we are experiencing the ego's story about that moment. And that was so powerful for yeah. me. It's almost like uh, the way I came to understand this and, and live by this way, and again, this is just an explanation and another story. Absolutely. But um, if you realize we aren't the creators of our world, we are the observers of creation coming through us. And if we enter into a certain frequency, like an aperture on a, uh, a lens, adding more light and more light, the more we see... I have the capacity to open up my aperture and allow more light in and more information, therefore a higher experience. But I'm not the creator of that experience. I'm the witnesser of it. And when I do that, when I'm not, but when, I'm, when I think I am the creator, my ego has to be like, oh, shit, <laughs> I screwed up there. Oh, shit, I did a good job. You know, <laughs> right? So, but when I'm actually just a witnesser of it, I'm like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> You know? But you're right. That's what we do. Yeah. Like if we lose a game or we, we don't yeah. have an outcome in the work business life that we want, we, we, we dog ourselves. And yeah. we're like, oh, man, I should have done better. Yeah. So it's like, says who? Yeah. Says the ego. A way out of the storytelling and a way out of the, uh, the ego is to come to an understanding. Again, don't take my word for it. Look into it. But you're observing an experience coming through you. And what I mean is we're like sophisticated Bluetooth machines like an Alexa. And I'm going to use this example because everyone has one. So whether I'm playing Mozart through my Bluetooth or uh, Stairway to Heaven, the Bluetooth didn't create it. It's allowing it to come through it. Now, a Mozart would feel differently in my body because I can feel the resonance. And then if I'm listening to some heavy metal stuff like, you know, um, Stairway to Heaven wouldn't necessarily be in that 
category, maybe something from ACDC, it would offer up a different frequency, a different feeling. So what I'm allowing coming through me gives me a different experience depending on where I'm at. It alters, right? First time I listen to Mozart, I'm like, what the hell is this shit? <laughs> Give me some more ACDC. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, an ACDC I still like, but it's, uh, it has its own place because I'm at a different place. I'm not in a better place. I'm just in a different place. So I'm not I'm not here to calibrate better or worse. It's it's you know it, it's just it's different. But um, when you start to look at yourself, if you could come to look at yourself as a mechanism that's allowing the creation to come through you, all of a sudden you're actually at the movie theater watching the movie rather than getting up and saying I don't like this and and I'm in control. Oh my God! It's like defending. It'd be like defending Will Smith or Chris uh, Rock. I'm like, they aren't you. You don't need to defend them. Let them defend themselves. Stay out of it. You know, Will Smith doesn't need me to defend him, nor does Chris Rock. They will be fine on their own. Just sit back and observe. Like, that was a good, <laughs> that was the, a great Academy Awards. The fact that we, <laughs> yeah. we think we need to jump in and like, no, you know, we don't. and we see this all over the internet yeah. too with like, oh, I'm taking sides yeah. and stuff. Is the ego playing out like, we, but our it, opinion does not affect the life of Will Smith no, or Chris Rock. Yeah, but notice it, and this, this is where the sweet spot is. Take a side. Do that. And then don't take a side and tell me which one feels better. Perfect. Oh, my God. The one that doesn't take the side is like, oh, it's getting interesting. Give me some. Hey, perfect well, example. Give, give me another cocktail while I'm wine. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. That's yeah. a perfect <laughs> like, example. Yeah. And that's what we want. We're observing the world around us. And guess what happens? We allow stuff to come through us. We're more relaxed, more ease. We actually open up. Our frequency goes higher. We go from 200 to 300, then on to 300 to 400. All of a sudden, information comes through, and it's like we start raising up, and we have different experiences. It's not that 200 or 150 is a bad experience, but if you're stuck at 150 most of your life, it's like watching the same movie over and over and over. That's the... That's the place of feeling stuck. It's not that it was bad because we needed that to understand this. But I want to break out of that just from the uh, the sheer experience of it. Because, okay, 300 is respectable, but I'm like, I'm going to 400. 400 is respectable. I'm like, I'm going to 500. Five, you know, it's how we now normally go. And if you don't let me go to 500, I'm going to go down to 150 and punch you in the head so I can get to 500. <laughs> Hell yeah. And don't get nutty with this stuff. But have fun with it. Have play with it. But it's we came here. Life is about living. What is life about? It's about living. And in living, we're finding out that through uh, different frequencies, we have different what we call experiential and aspect. So what's the reality? The reality is how I feel about it. Not how I think about it, but how I feel with sent thoughts. All of a sudden, like, well, I didn't create this. I'm just observing it. When I'm watching a really good movie, I seldom think. When I'm reading a really good book, I seldom think I'm here with it. But when I'm like thinking about how brilliant I am, I'm thinking. <laughs> they ever was like, oh, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> no, what you're saying segues perfect into the next video I selected. Yeah, right. No, like, okay, so real quick before we go into that. <laughs> this is a good one. So that thinking mind that Frank's talking about, that is not the experience um, we came here for. We didn't came here to judge and to measure. That's a That's a tool that we have really laid into and been conditioned to call our experience. Our experience is simply the feeling. 
does something feel good? Does something feel bad? Do I like that feeling? Do I not like that feeling? All these types of things is just the feeling, yeah. just the sensation, you know, of uh, t- taste, touch, smell, here, all of these different things. Um, so to think that we came here um, to be trapped in this thinking mind is is simply false. And this is what Hawkins well, says in the let next Let me video. add something to it. Please. Because you nailed something right there that just uh, dawned on me. The time the ego is having the experience, it's already replicated. And I was talking to you about this where, like, it's funny. It almost like uh, why word shows to me are, are, I watch them. They're entertaining. But why it's funny is you'll have somebody enact a character. And a lot of these movies, like, you know, obviously Will Smith played Richard um, uh, Williams, right? <clears throat> but yet here is... Will Smith getting the Oscar. Why isn't it Richard Williams getting the Oscar? He's the real. So when I use Mike, I says it would be like me getting inducted to the Hall of Flame, Fame because I uh, I recorded a a nice piece of uh, knocking on heaven's door and Bob Dylan's way in the back. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Why is this dude getting it? So yeah. Bob, in this case, what I'm going to say Bob Dylan example. would be the actual experience, and I am the ego experiencing experience but then i'm saying i'm the one who replicated i'm like no you didn't you're just playing something that's already been played and it's it's that second tier that we have a problem with the second tier is the ego we could drop the second tier and just listen to bob dylan again i understand what is acting because not everyone is going to walk around and follow richard williams around and we don't know the story so i get the brilliance of acting i'm not saying don't do it but with music, we don't like again. If you if you go to a nightclub and you know Bob Dylan can't show up, it's nice to have a cover band. But the cover band ain't making it to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So the ego has a use. Just put it aside. All right, let's go into this clip. Good example. All right, boom. I think you have to learn to quit thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Underneath the thinkingness is an infinite silence. Right this instant, I'm tuned into the silence. Nothing at all is happening. Do you like that? No TV on, no dog barking, no nothing going on? Yes. What happens with that, in that space? Nothing. Nothing nothing, happening? Nothing's happening. Everything's peaceful and quiet. Is that okay with you? Yes. Okay, live there. Stay there. Get what that space is and carry it with you as that which you are. Don't think that peace and silence is out there, it's within you. Good. Thank you. See, the silence is just underneath the thinkingness and the amusement service. Huh? Mm-hmm. Stay within that. And whatever goes on is irrelevant. They're killing each other out there. You say, yeah, uh-huh. And the water's getting hair, right, uh-huh. And the bullets are flying. You say, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so? <laughs> all right, so learn how to say so. Because that negates the value of thinking this. So? So? Yes. I'm going to kill myself, so? What do you want me to do about it? Call a cop or something? (laughs) Just say so to whatever conversation is going on. 
in or out, and live in the silence. The reason why people say it doesn't bother me is I have this way of paying any attention to it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you look interested, but you don't have any investment in it. <laughs> you make appropriate social responses. You're going to kill yourself. Yes? Why is that? You know? <laughs> you see, people, people try to jerk you around and play you with their drama. When you refuse the drama game, you can live in a peaceful silence and the whole thing's amusing. So instead of being impatient and driven, you know, be like the witness of it. You're just the witness. From the silence, you witness it all. The birds come, the birds nest, spring comes, fall comes, wars come, peace comes, the parades go by, they pile up the caskets, it's all the same. Okay, okay that's good. All right, so I, uh, so I chose that clip for a couple of reasons. So number one, it nails the thinking mind. Um, it kind of it shows you, you know, the the where we want to reside is underneath the thinking mind. Like uh, so, Doctor Hawkins That's says, what we're yearning for. Yeah, yeah, he says there's this infinite silence underneath the thinking, and that that's the goal place we want to be. But like the reason I really wanted to show this clip is we have been so socially conditioned to respond to certain things in our reality that if we don't, we think we're doing something wrong. So in this clip, he says to Dr. Hodge, so somebody comes up to you and says they're going to kill yourself, and you say, okay, what do you want me to do, call the cops? We have lived in a society right now where we have been trained that that's a, a bad way to react and not a appropriate social response. Yeah. And that we need to get this person help, do all these things, add this... I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm not saying well, don't help people who need help. What I'm saying is we, in the way we react, we, we give life to a situation, and, yeah. and, we, and we amplify a situation. And so what he's trying to show here is we, are, we personally um, make ourselves sick, make ourselves di dizzy, tie ourselves <laughs> into these pretzels by responding to these situations that we believe are the appropriate way to respond because we have been conditioned by society, uh, teachers, school, uh, you know, media, all of it. Yeah, but but no, like you brought that. It was a great point up. But like, uh, so if you have a suicide hotline to stay on this note, <laughs> and if someone says I'm going to kill myself, the other person's like, Oh heavens, no! They they wouldn't say like what he said. So they're thinking so. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, well, why are you going to kill yourself? So the person that's on the hotline isn't emotionally attached to that person getting suicide, uh, committing suicide. This is why they're effective. But if someone comes up to me, I'm going to commit suicide, and all of a sudden I freak out, my freaking out could tip them into the scale of putting a bullet in their head. Rather than like, all right, I'm going to detach from this. Well, why do you want to do that? Well, because of this. Well, why does that? And all of a sudden as I diffuse it because I have no attachment to it, I have the ability to transmute and transfer energy into them That's to have it. them detach from it. So it's not a, like I don't give a shit they don't kill myself. That's it. I just have no attachment to that, the, the, the anxiety that they deal with. I have no attachment to the fear. But I'm like, I have attachment to this calmness, and I want to bring you into my attachment. So we'll explain, yeah. Frank, because he, 
Dr. Hawkins, he just, he, <laughs> I don't want to say he's too old to do it, but like <laughs> the way he comes off, it's kind of like, ooh, that's harsh. Well, that's he cold. Was, he was saying this in front of a guy that's not ready to commit suicide. Yeah, he was just bringing yeah, a point of course. up. Yeah. But like, yeah. I want, so if you're, if you're feeling a reaction to this, like a visceral reaction, like, yeah. a, oh, I don't like the fact that that was said, it means you're tied and attached to something in the reality, something outside of you, something that really doesn't and exist. And guess what? You're not going to help the person. Commit to, you, That's you it. Actually might, We're hurting the situation. Yeah, you and might, this yeah. is what Frank and I are talking about. Yeah. When you detach from it, you're better, you're better to help the person from committing suicide. Where when you get a frantic, they're like, oh, shit, I, I'm tired of looking at frantic people, and they jump. Yep. Like, holy shit. Or this person's frantic. It increases the level a of that, is, and I need to play into that role. When, yeah. you're, when you're so tied to the reality and you don't know that it's not that real and that yeah. you're not that – you get sucked into it and you actually do things you never would have yeah. because you're not – yourself, you're not conscious. You're playing this role and you think you are this role. In fact, I'm glad this came up. One of my favorite – Phrases and I sh- I never found the video, but I should have. But Doctor Hawkins, I don't want to say coined this term, but I heard him say this: is he said we are all just karmic wind-up dolls. <laughs> and oh my God, did that just hit the nail on the head of what this experience as a human being yeah. is? And that was like the most brilliant, simple way to say it. And I thought it was so great because we are just karmic wind-up dolls. We think we're doing so much. We think we're, you know, writing this song or doing this at work. And we're, we're no, ex- you're yeah. not. <laughs> you're witnessing that experience and that's what's going on. But your ego is saying that's you and taking credit for it and doing this. As soon as we start to loosen up from that, less and less of this karn- karmic wind-up uh, doll experience do we have. Yeah, that's it. Like anyone that, um, at, you know, and everyone does this, but... When you experience something that comes through you and say no one else on the planet has done that, like whether write a song or uh, poetry or wrote something or said something. Or create a patent, whatever. Yeah, whatever it is. You actually marvel over it, but you're not marveling over it through the ego's eyes. You're marveling over it that came through because no one experienced that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, again, there's no nothing wrong with... Uh, Saying ego, I did this. It's just it'll be short lived. It'll be depressing after. And a while. then you chase the next thing because your ego says, yeah. "Well, I created something so great. If I don't follow it up with something, technically I'm a failure." This is why, like, when you start yeah. making money or start doing anything, you realize, like, "Oh my god, I'm just nothing's ever good enough." Yeah, I don't care who you are. If you're a great musician, somewhere along the line, another great musician's gonna come out. That's it. And I'm like, you know, so if that's <laughs> what you're basing your self worth off of and your identity. Then yeah. it will never change, and you will constantly be chasing something. <laughs> and and some some musicians, not to bring, I'm not going to bring anybody's name up, but was trying to threaten a certain um, corporation um, because they didn't believe somebody else in that corporation should be in the corporation, and probably everyone's like, oh, "We know who they're talking about." <laughs> uh, when he threatened them, to, like, "I'm going to get out of this uh, this setting if unless you let that person go," and like, "We would like you to stay, but if you need to go, you got to go." All of a sudden, it's like the irrelevance or their relevance to the moment in time was, wasn't even there. They had no power over that. And it wasn't that – and I like the person. I, I like their music. I like that stuff, uh, what they play and all that, all that stuff. It wasn't that they had any power. Where they disassociated and, and broke down their power was because I don't like what somebody's saying. Therefore, you must get rid of them. And I'm like, that's what breakdown of the power, not what they, like their songs, everything are great. Like it really is actually, it's weird that someone 
would produce songs like this, but then say this. But it's just, we get caught up in the ego, we get caught up, and I'm sure that person got caught up in it. But we actually start to see the differential understanding of that. And when you get caught up, I'm like, wow, don't judge, right? Just, if you don't like what someone's saying, produce something in which you think people like to say and leave it alone. Yeah, don't push against the thing you're saying no. you don't like. Move in the direction you want to go. Yeah. That's where we often get caught up with it. A critic of anything wants to do what the person that they're criticizing is doing. If you think you could do it better, just do it. And actually, you're not doing anything. You allow it to come through you. So who are you criticizing? Are you criticizing the, the universal source? Well, I'll get you nowhere. Why? Because yeah. you can't cancel out the universal source. Yeah, you can't you cancel, cancel the universe. universe. They don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. They do not care. And when you get to these higher places, like he's talking about this, this kind of uh, subdued way of thinking, you cannot be canceled because no one could cancel you. Unless you like, oh. well, and the experience kind of loosens up itself because we yeah. we only experience and observe from our level, yeah, of um, you know consciousness, and so um, our experience very much so matters on um, how we're processing it. Yeah, yeah, it's like when Karen gets upset at me for saying stuff, I'm like, take it up with the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> Take it up with the big guy. And she goes, you could have put a different filter. And I'm like, yeah, I could have. But I, I chose <laughs> not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, blaming the universe for everything doesn't work either. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we try. But yeah, I use it to my advantage. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah, it. That's it. Um, Dr. Hawkins, though, great guy. If you yeah. guys haven't heard of him, dive into his stuff. Um <clears throat> Yeah, power, uh, the what is it? Um, power versus force. Power versus force, and then what's the other one? Letting, letting go. Letting go is a great the book. The pathway actually. to surrender. Yes, uh, yeah, because uh, power versus force explains the science and everything behind it. But letting go is a um, it's a more condensed book, but it's it's brilliant. It really is. It gets more into spirituality of it. So, and, and letting go is is oh, really the, the yeah let go of the, the ego. essence of what Frank and I talk about. Yeah, if you let go of the ego, you'll enjoy the movie. Yep. And you you're that's what you're watching your movie. From your lenses. That's what you're doing. And think you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, think about this. You are the camera guy because you never see the camera guy. No. So when you're walking in your movie, all you can see is your hands and your feet unless you slip by a mirror, right? So you're the camera guy. And it's like, what do you want to focus the camera on? And then how do you want to look at what you focus the camera on? Get the ego out of the way. Don't take responsibility. Just look. Oh, it's wild. And the more you take it away, all of a sudden you generate a higher frequency and you have the better to influence the universal source. And then when I do that, all of a sudden everyone gains from it, every human being. I don't care if they're at 150 or if they're 30, they gain from it. So the responsibility, the ability to respond to a higher frequency helps everyone around us, helps the universe. And don't take our word for it. You That's have right. to experience it. Yeah, this. don't take our word for it. You have to because, yeah. man... Like when you start letting go on a level like this and, and really yeah. getting out of the, that thinking mind and that constant measurement and constant judging of others, life starts to become much more enjoyable. It is, yeah. It's like going to the movies on Saturday. <laughs> That's it. And, <laughs> and you realize like, oh my goodness, yeah. I was tying myself up into this weird idea of a mind-created self for years. Yeah. For years. Yeah. It's, I, I, you know, like when I explain stuff that happened to me, it's like, like, did you see that movie? I'm like, did you see what I did? <laughs> I can't believe I did that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, well, well, 
We'll see you next week, guys. Yes, another wrap of a perspective you know? shift. And again, I would definitely check out uh, Dr. David Hawkins. Great. He's got a lot of books out there. His stuff on YouTube. Again, he passed away in um, 2012. In Arizona. In Sedona, in Sedona yeah, which Sedona, is cool. Yeah. Uh, Frank and I are obviously here from Arizona. Yep, yeah. and uh, so he's uh, he's very. You'll you'll see. He's very funny. Um, he is funny. Yeah, it's right since he invites cracks yeah. me up. He's a good dude. Uh, I just think he's easily relatable. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you guys like what you heard, uh, leave us a comment. Feel free to email us at perspectiveshift2020 at gmail dot com. We'll see you next week with uh, a new guest. All right, peace out, and let the ego go. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay.